Hello and welcome to Studio RC, an encouragement for both your recovery and your faith. My name is Max. I am an alcoholic and I am also a follower of Jesus. So this week we're starting on a new adventure and each week we're going to take a look at a different recovery church value and we're going to do so I'm going to try something I haven't tried. I'm going to put a little timer in the corner and I'm going to give myself 12 minutes to see what I can do on each value. I only have the 12 minutes um, and we'll go through each of the different values. What I wanted to do is just set it up and, and this will be the same setup each week and then we'll transition into whatever value of the week. But it's important to remember, you know, who, who are we and what, what, what do we do here at Recovery Church? Recovery Church movement is a network of Recovery Churches reaching and training those in early recovery to grow in their faith and their recovery. Recovery Church movement is a bridge between the 12-step fellowships and the church. We train, coach, and help people learn to become disciple makers within the recovery community and to start, plant, and reproduce recovery churches. That's, that's who Recovery Church is. That's what we do. Now, our vision, our Recovery Church vision is this. A recovery church in every city in this nation and beyond. And we have taken a look, I believe, I think there's some something like 15,000 cities in our, in our nation. And, and so we're looking at that and looking at ways that we can uh, continue to expand and continue to have recovery churches in each and every one of those locations, in addition to your online uh, resources such as Studio RC or, or our RC online campus our uh, high five at 420. So we have all these different stories, um, different ways that we can help uh, those, both the physical locations, as well as giving uh, uh, digital resources as well. And so our mission, we've, we've did a, our vision and our mission. Our mission is equipping God's people to do God's work of recovery. So we have who we are and what we do, we have our vision and we have our mission. And that will set us up each week to go into exploring a different value. And we'll, we'll review this each week and then we'll go into the value of the week. And so over the next several weeks, we're gonna look at ver various values. And, uh, and again, I'm gonna take 12 minutes um, on a clock and see how far and how much we uh, we can get uh, covered. I may have to speed talk, but that's okay. Um, so hopefully you're ready, and uh, and this will be something that'll be informative, also of who again Recovery Church is and who um, the very essence of us and our values and and the things that we do value. So let's get started on this week's value. This week we're going to take a look at our third value, Bible. The Recovery Church value of Bible. So let's put 12 minutes on the clock and see where we go. All right, the Recovery Church value Bible states, the Bible is the inspired Word of God and it reveals the divine standards for what we believe, 
teach, and do. The Bible is the inspired Word of God. And what it does is reveals the divine standards for what we believe, what we teach, and what we do. Um, now, if you're part of a fellowship, AA, NA, or any other of the 12-step fellowships that are meeting uh, regarding the fellowship that you're in, we tend to focus on the big book or other materials um, that's behind that that kind of guides us through that process. But what's behind it and underneath is the foundation of all of those materials is the Bible. Back to the origins of AA, um, many weeks they were going through whether it was the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, they were going through Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, or often they were going through the book of James. Actually, in the beginning, they were almost going to be known as the James gang um, instead of Alcoholics Anonymous because they read the book of James so frequently. Um, and the book of James continues to say, faith without works is dead. In other words, we need to carry this message. We need to be active. Um, it's interesting that we find a lot of our 12 steps that are found in the book of James, if you read through the book of James. Now, one of the things uh, we say about this value of the Bible is the Bible is inspired. Now, what do we, what do we mean by that? When we hear the word inspired, we, maybe we think of a, a glorious mountain scene or we're, we're inspired to take a photograph or paint a painting or write a poem or uh, we look into the, even the eyes of uh, somebody we love or uh, a child or a baby. And, but that's not the type of inspiration we're talking about. Um, the inspiration has to do with God's control of the production of the book. There's a verse that often refer that we often refer to and we look at from 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.16, and it says, all scripture is inspired by God. The word inspired is uh, theoponotis, which means God breathed. All scripture is God breathed. The script, the that whole verse, verses 16 and 17 from 2 Timothy, uh, Timothy says, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God, breathed by God, and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training and righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we, we go to that. So when we talk about the word inspiration about the Bible, we're saying that, that God was superintendent of the activity of the human authors to guarantee that they would write exactly what he wanted. Because I think sometimes we hear, oh, the Bible, it's just, it's, you know, written by man, infallible men, and, and so how can we even trust it? And um, that's where believing that the Bible is inspired. Inspiration that God was a part of the planning from the beginning to the end. And, and if that's true, well, we should have some evidence of that. Um, for example, if you went to a crime scene and you see a crime is committed um, and they're, all, they're dusting for those fingerprints and trying to figure out maybe what's happened, if there's evidence there, someone's been there, the fingerprints are gonna be left behind. 
unless it's like some crazy caper movie where they figured out how not to do it. But God's fingerprints are all over the Bible. It's it's not like God's uh, presence isn't noted. It's it's throughout the Bible. If the Bible is inspired, then we should be able to see some things. Here's one of those things that we should be able to see is the miraculous production. We believe that God inspired, that he worked through these human authors. Um, and so let me tell you what that process is. Um, we're talking about a production of what we have in our hands when we hold the Bible, that it's 1600 years old. 1600 years. I mean, as Americans, we can't even get our mind around that. Just the country's not even 300 years old yet. Um, back in the 70s, we celebrated our bicentennial, 200 years. Um, that's like eight times less than it, what is contained in the Bible. 1600 years. And it has over 40 different human authors. They were written in three different languages, Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic. The geographical contents were that these authors wrote in on different continents. So 1,600 years of production, 40 different authors, three different languages. Um, and by the many of these authors had no contact with, with one another. Um, three different continents, and yet somehow the Bible is one book. I sometimes hear, oh, there, you know, there are so many uh, uh, contradictions in the Bible. I, when someone says that, and that they're well-meaning, I say, show me. And rarely are they able to show the, any contradictions. We can take a theme from the concept of Genesis, the, the first book in the Bible, and follow it all the way to the end of the book of Revelation. How, how is that even possible? And what's crazy is the oldest book of the Bible isn't even the book of Genesis. It's the book of Job. Um, it's the book of Job, and Job has a fully developed doctrine of redemption, bodily resurrection, all there in the book of Job. Now, how does that happen? Because there was truly only one author behind the production of this book. Again, 1,600 years, 40 different authors, three different languages, three different continents. So just to, to illustrate that, let's imagine we got 100 pastors in a room. You know, um, and they're all from, we'll say South Jersey. That's where I'm from. We'll say they're all from South. And they all speak the same language, all living at the same time. And then we ask each of them, I need you to write a paper on baptism, Holy Spirit, uh, a woman's role in the church. How many different opinions do you think we would have? Maybe a hundred, right? The fact, um, the, the facts I give you in regards to the Bible fly in the face of that. 1,600 years, 40 different authors, three different languages, three different continents, yet the Bible is one book because there is one author, and that is God, and his fingerprints are all throughout it and on top of it. The other way, that a popular one, is fulfilled prophecy. That's another way that we look at the book and have uh, confidence in its contents. Um, it's not natural to predict the future. Some would say it's even supernatural to be able to 
predict the future. So the Bible gives evidence that it is a supernatural book because it has accurately predicted the future. Every time it's made a prediction, the prediction would have been fulfilled and has been fulfilled exactly the way the Bible said it would be fulfilled. In fact, one mathematician, his name's Steve Stoner, and uh, this is from Josh McDowell's book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. He outlines eight specific prophecies from the Old Testament written hundreds of, of, and sometimes even thousands of years before the birth of Christ. And he outlines eight specific prophecies concerning the Messiah. One was that he would be born in Bethlehem. Two, he would be born of a virgin. He would enter Jerusalem triumphantly. He would be betrayed by a friend. He would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. He would have death by a crucifixion. His clothes would be divided by lots, and he would be buried in a rich man's tomb. Now, Stephen Stoner talks that the odds of that and calculates each specific prophecy. We know all of those were fulfilled in the, in the singular person of Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of these prophecies. Steve Soner mathematically figures out that the odds of one person, by chance coincidence, fulfilling all of these eight prophecies, he said one chance in 10 to the 17th power. That means one chance in, and then one with 17 zeros. I don't even know what number that is. It is a lot. Um, to illustrate this, he said, if you took the entire state of Texas, dug it three feet deep and filled it with silver dollars, three feet deep of silver dollars. Um, and if you've ever been to the state of Texas, I mean, it's big. So fill three feet deep, mark one of those silver coins with a red X on it and put it somewhere in the state of Texas. If you can, if you have a, uh, you know, imagine the odds of a blindfolded man walking randomly into the state of Texas somewhere and then reaching down on the very first try, pulling out that coin with the red X on it. That is what one chance of 10 to the 17th power looks like. God's fingerprints are all throughout and on the book of the Bible. Jesus did not just fulfill eight prophecies. It's, it's understood he fulfilled over 300. God's fingerprints are all over this book. Another great example of how incredible this book is, is that not only is it, it teaches us and it helps us, but it seems to change. When we read a, a certain section, it seems to meet us right where we are in our journey. That's truly the nature of a spiritual book. Remember, the scripture, it's given by the inspiration of God. It's profitable for teaching. It helps teach us uh, for correction, for training in righteousness, that we may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. All of this, this, this is so that we can serve others better. So um, I would encourage you, if you've never read the book, I, you know, I always point people to the book of John. It's a great place to start. But start reading the Bible and see how this incredible story, this one book over 1,600 years, over 40 authors, three different languages, three different continents, can still today change your life and change your world. The truth remains 
powerful in this spiritual book. It changes lives. That's the beauty of the Bible. Give it a shot, even if maybe you've never uh, had a chance before. Our time is up. Um, hopefully that gives you a little glimmer. And I'm going to use a Dr. Bob expression that he talked about, that he said, um, if you're agnostic, if you're an atheist, or you have any other form of intellectual self-pride, I feel sorry for you. A little harsh statement by Dr. Bob. But I would encourage you, don't let intellectual pride get in the way of engaging this book. This book that over centuries have changed people's lives. It's changed my life. My life. I'm confident if you went to uh, the leaders at your recovery church, your campus, they would tell you how the Bible has changed their lives. Be open to what the Bible can do because we believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God and it reveals the divine standards for what we believe, teach, and do. Be open to it and allow it to do exactly that for you, your life, your recovery, and your faith. Thanks so much for coming to Studio RC. We encourage you to continue to like the videos, continue to share the videos, subscribe, um, and we appreciate all of those those actions that you do. It, it helps get the word out and it gets uh, this, these important truths to people uh, both in recovery and those who are developing in their faith. Remember Recovery Church, 12 steps, one goal. God bless.